at Hebrews 11, 8. Um, so let's read actually Hebrews 11, um, 8 to 10. So we're going to read these three verses. Let's, let's read it together. The reason is this way, God's word soak in your mind and your heart. You're not just listening to it, you're listening to it, you're saying it, and uh, you're saying it as well. See it and say it. So let's read it together, Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Isn't that interesting? Yes. So don't ask God for the good plan, amen, for the full plan. Verse 9, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Amen. So we've been, uh, today's week 52, literally a full year just preaching from, uh, 52 weeks preaching from Hebrews. And uh, we have arrived to Hebrews 11, and we now looking at the life of Abraham. The point of Hebrews 11 is to, the author of Hebrews wanted to encourage his readers to live their life by faith in the face of persecution. Amen? So uh, we've seen through Hebrews 11, he started by defining to them what is faith. And he said faith is evidence of things hoped for and substance of things is not seen yet. This is the Bible definition. But what is our simple definition for all of that? Faith is... Action based on trust in the actual promises of God. Amen. Like, look at Abraham here. The guy just back up, back up and go, right? Now, if God would have not spoken to him, Abraham would have been nuts. The only difference between crazy and faith is God's word. You guys are with me? So just be careful when you do stuff that God really actually called you to do it. Because if you're not, you're crazy. Amen. But when God calls you to do it, then that's faith. That's really the fine line between being men of faith and just flat out nuts, okay? <laughs> so, um, so again, faith is action. Like here, Abraham, he backed up and left. That's his action based on trust in the actual promises of God. He trusted God and he acted on that word. In this, uh, we have seen so far how faith displayed in the life of Abel, in the life of Enoch, and the life of Noah, and now we have arrived to Abraham. And the author of Hebrews is going to spend substantial part of chapter 11 talk about Abraham here, and then he's going to visit him back later on. In these three verses that we just read, verse 8, 9, and 10, there is three points. I, I'm not formulating my thoughts fully here, but I think there is three main points here. We see the call of Abraham, and we see that... Um, obedience of Abraham and we see the inheritance of Abraham but I'm not fully formulating my thoughts here so next week I might change that but so far it's really main three points here number one is the call of Abraham number two the obedience of Abraham and number three the inheritance of Abraham but this today we're just going to focus on just the first part the call of Abraham how God called him here in Hebrews 11:8, it says this by faith when not what called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance he left and he he obeyed and he left so now i just want to focus with you about the calling of god on abraham how did that happen and just go through the old testament how god has called abraham we're going to learn a lot from that 
There is a book called The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by Watchman Nee. If you've never heard of that book, you need to go buy it and you need to go read it. Watchman Nee is one of my absolute favorite Bible teachers. And that book, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, he, Watchman Nee was saying how in the scripture, there are only very few, very few people, a handful of people that God would associate himself with. Like he said, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. Very handful, very few people in the scripture that God said, I am the God of that person. And Watchman Nee wrote that book not to teach us, to, 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 to educate us about the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but rather about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who God is from how he deals with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You guys are with me? So phenomenal book. You need to go buy it. It's actually online for free yeah, on that website. Go look it up. It's going to blow your mind away. So today, pretty much I'm, I'm going through what Watchman Nee said about the call of Abraham because it is so amazing. I didn't see the need that I can go study anything further. It's just so insane. Now, <clears throat> the call of Abraham, how God called Abraham, was mentioned a few different times in the scripture. It's not just in Genesis when God said, hey, I'm, I'm your God, come and follow me. There was background to that. Uh, that story of how God called Abraham was mentioned in Joshua 24. It was mentioned in the book of Acts chapter 7. When Stephen was about to be stoned, he recalled how God has called Abraham. And it was also mentioned in Genesis 11 toward the very end and the beginning of Genesis 12. So three different spots. And now the author of Hebrews is talking about it in Hebrews 11.8. So really four different spots in the scripture when we read about the call of Abraham, and you're going to learn a lot when you go back and put these four passages together and construct the story. It's amazing. Let's start with Joshua, the first passage in Joshua. When, from Joshua, we know that when God called Abraham, Abraham was a heathen, was an idol worshiper when God came and called him out of his land to follow him and be, so God can be his God. We read that in Joshua 24, verse 2 to 3. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, who's Terah? That's right after that, the father of Abraham. And Nahor, who's Nahor? That's Abraham's brother. We're going to read about these people. Abraham's brother, who is the grandfather of Rebekah, the wife of Isaac. When, when Abraham later sent his um, uh, servant to go find a wife for Isaac, he went there and he ran into Rebekah, who is the granddaughter of Nahor. So Nahor and Abraham are brothers, and Abraham's son Isaac married the granddaughter of Nahor because Abraham waited so long to have Isaac. You guys are with me? During that time, Nahor has his son and his grandchildren, which was Rebekah. So it says here this, long ago, God, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Ephrates River and worshiped what? Including Abraham, right? From the text, right? Both Terah, Abraham, and Nahor, they all were idol worshippers, heathens. But I, God says, but I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Ephrates and led him throughout Canaan to give him many descendants. I gave him Isaac. Right? Yeah. So think about that. Abraham, minding his own business, worshiping idol, 
not even thinking about God, not even caring about God, doesn't even know who God is, not, cannot even think about who God is. And out of nowhere, God is the one who takes the initiative and kind of like push himself into the life of Abraham and call him out of that lifestyle. Sounds familiar? Amen. Right? Has God changed? Nope. The same God who pushed himself into the life of Abraham is the same God who pushed himself into my life to call me to be his child, to, who pushed himself into your life to call you to be his child. Amen? How many of us really went hard after God when we were lost? Right? But this is the God of Abraham. Amen? He's the God who will go out and seek after sinners. I mean, it, this is the foundation of who God is. I told you guys this before. When you start, look at the book of Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2, you see God as the creator of everything, the maker of everything, right? Almighty who makes everything. Genesis 3, right after that, how is the scripture described God to us? He's going after Adam and trying to bring Adam back to him. This is the second description from a biblical perspective of who God is. He's the God who goes after sinners. Amen? Amen? That's why even like, I don't find it such a stretch in the scripture to, for us as Christians to believe that Jesus is fully God. It, it's not really that far of a stretch. If you read in the Old Testament, you're going to see that God has always throughout the Old Testament going after people and try to call them to himself. You guys are with me? He went after Adam. We see that he goes, he, he initiated his talk with Cain so he can redeem him back after he killed Abel. He's the one who intervened in the life of Noah. And now he's the one who's going after Abraham when Abraham doesn't even care, right? And, and to put it in New Testament terms, God of the Old Testament has always in the business of seeking and searching after the lost. You guys are with me? That sounds familiar terminology? Right, because Jesus in the New Testament said the Son of Man has come to seek and to search after the last. It's not a stretch to assume that God in the Old Testament who went seeking after lost people over and over and over again came down himself in the New Testament still to seek and to search after the lost. Amen. Amen. So that is the first um, passage that we read about the call of Abraham. And we learn from it that God is just in redemption business. He's going after lost people who don't deserve him. I mean, we heard Stephen's story, right? When he shared here, Steve, a uh, few weeks with us, how God went after him, one prophecy after another, so he can come to know the Lord. He's such a wonderful God. Amen? Amen. Even when you don't know him or care about him, he goes after us to redeem us, to bring us back to him and his love. Now, that is the first time we read about the call of Abraham, and we learn a lot about God from that point. But now let's move forward, and what I want to do is I want to draw a parallel to you between how Stephen in Acts chapter 7, when he was about to be stoned, uh, recalled the story of the call of Abraham, and I want to parallel that to the exact same story from Genesis so we can reconcile these two passages together and understand how God called Abraham. Amen? So we're going to start from Acts chapter 7, verse 2. Here is what Stephen was saying when he was about to be stoned. He's recalling the history of Israel. 
To this he replied, Stephen, telling those who are about to stone him, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, which is Or, which is beyond the Ephrates. That's what Joshua just told us, right? Before he lived in Haran. So Stephen here is talking about two different locations. The first location is Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, and the second location is Haran, right? And he's telling us that God of glory appeared to Abraham, not in Haran, but he appeared to him in Mesopotamia first, right? And this is what God said when he appeared to Abraham in Mesopotamia in Ur. He said, leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he, Abraham, left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. You guys are with me? Simple so far? Now, here's what Watchman commented in this. So phenomenal. First of all, he looked at that word, the God of glory. The fact that Stephen was describing God here as the God of glory definitely implied that when God appeared to Abraham, he appeared to him in such a majestic way that it wasn't just like God appeared to Abraham a couple of times, right? We've seen in, in Hebrews, uh, in Genesis 18 and 19, how he came to him as a stranger, as a man, and he was talking to him about Sodom and Gomorrah. But this is not how God appeared to Abraham when he was still an idol worshiper in Mesopotamia. God did not appear to him as a, as a humble uh, stranger, human being, just like the way he appeared to him later. He appeared to him as the God of glory. He really shook him to the core. He appeared to him as the God of glory. The second thing Watchman noted, noted here is that this is the first time in the scripture that God appeared to someone. In the Old Testament, we see that God talked to Adam in Genesis 3. He talked to Cain in Genesis 4. He talked to Noah in Genesis 6. You guys are with me so far? But God did not just talk to Abraham. God appeared to Abraham. You guys are with me? And he appeared to Abraham in his glory, in his full glory, and he told him, follow me. Leave everything and follow me. Now, I don't know about you. If you never heard of God and then God appears to you this way, that was... That should shake you to the absolute core. You guys are with me? Yeah. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament. We're going to stop here. We're not going to continue the story of Stephen. We're going to stop here. We're going to go back to Genesis. And we're going to see the actual events as it displayed in Genesis. So we're going to read Genesis 11 from 26, a uh, few verses, and then all the way to Genesis 12, chapter Chapter 12, verse 2. Now, Genesis 11, 26. Here's what it says. After Terah, who's Terah again? Abraham's dad. Had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. So three kids. He had three kids. Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Now, this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. So far, simple. While his father, Terah, Abraham's father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died. In Ur of the Chaldeans. Remember, this is where God appeared to Abraham the first time. You guys are with me? So Haran died in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abraham and Nahor both married. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was 
Milka, she was the daughter of Haran. So it's family business here. We're not going to worry about that. The, the father of both uh, Milka and Eska. Now, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Now, look at that. Verse 31 is insane. Again, this is Watchman Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot. Why? Because Haran, his father, has died at this point. You guys are with me? Um, Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of the son, uh, the wife of his son Abraham, and together they left from all the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And Terah left 205 years, and he died in Haran. So what happened is Haran took his son Abraham, and he took his grandson Lot, the, the son of Haran, who died, and Sarai, and they all moved from all the Chaldeans, and they went to a city called Haran, the same name almost, like the son who died, and they all settled there. You guys are with me? Uh, Terah lived Nehor in the or the Chaldeans, right? Makes sense because later when, when Abraham wanted a wife, he sent uh, his servant to where he used to live, where her brother Nehor was, and that's where he met, brought Rebecca in. You guys are with me? So uh, in verse 31, it says this. Terah took his son Abraham and he moved from all the Chaldeans to, um, to where? To, to the land of Haran. But look, at, look back to Acts 7, verse 4. We just read that part. So he left. Who left? Abraham, right? Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. So who, who's the one who left, really? Because in, in Acts, it says that it was Abraham who left. But in Genesis, it tells us that Terah is the one who left. So one, who is the one who really left? Okay? You guys are with me? Are you confused yet? Okay. Obviously, God, when God appeared to Abraham, he did not, did, did God appear to Terah or did God appear to Abraham? Abraham. Did God tell Abraham right here in, in Acts 7, when, when Abraham was still an idol worshiper in order the Chaldeans, what did God say in verse 3, Acts 7, 3? Leave your country and your people, that includes his father, his nephew, and everybody else in that household, right? Leave everybody, God said, and go to the land that I will show you. You guys are with me? To put these stories together, what appear, it appears that what happened is, even though God appeared to Abraham as the God of glory and told him to leave his land, leave his people, and leave from, uh, move from all the Chaldeans to Haran, that Abraham still has cold feet, and he would not listen to the voice of God. He might have trusted God to the point, but he was not willing to let go of everything. So much so that the book of Genesis tells us that the one who took the initiatives to obey was not even Abraham himself. It was his own father. You guys are with me? Maybe Abraham, the one who talked his father into moving, but ultimately, Abraham still had cold feet in spite of the fact that God of glory appeared to him that he was not willing to act in faith on the actual promises of God. So much so that God, in a way, has to move his, his dad for his terror, kick him so he can move and take Abraham with him and his wife and Lot and move from all the, Chal all the Chaldeans to that city that is called Haran. You guys are with me? So Abraham wasn't... That great, you guys are with me. He wasn't very obedient, not that the man of faith. But having said that, this is not like this. This is to give hope to us, because we all fail. 
But this is the God of Abraham. When Abraham again slacked, what would God do? I don't know about you, but if the God of glory appears to Abraham, who's idol worshiper, and, and tell him, hey, follow me, and Abraham gets cold feet, if I was God, I would be like, you know what? I give you a golden opportunity. You messed, you messed it up. I am done with you. I'm going to go find myself somebody else, right? But did God do that? Nope. God was patient with Abraham. And in spite of the fact that Abraham would not obey, God was still being patient because his promises and his love and his mercy that he has for Abraham, the plan that he has for him, God was just so patient with him to work it out in spite of Abraham, not with Abraham. You guys are with me? Yeah. So the family moved, apparently led by Terah, the father of, uh, of uh, Abraham, and they all end up in, uh, in that land, Haran. And verse 32 of Genesis 11 says this, Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. You guys are with me? Now, uh, let's go back now to Acts 7-4 and pick up the story from Stephen. We're just reconciling the story together from Acts and from Genesis. Acts 7, 4, it says this. Now, after the death of his father, Terah, God sent him to his land where he's now living. So apparently after Terah died, God came back to Abraham the second time. And that's what we pick up from Genesis 12, verse 1. We read in Genesis 11, verse 32, that Terah died. What happens after the death of Terah? We pick up from Genesis 12, 1. The Lord had said to Abraham after his father died, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And he started giving him all these promises. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And the list goes on and on and on of God's promises. You guys are with me? So when God appeared to Abraham in, in, in Genesis Genesis 12, that was not the first time God commanded Abraham to leave. That was his second time. God appearing to Abraham and say, now move, after his father died. The word Terah, his father's name, literally means delay. For some reason, Abraham would not obey God while his father was alive. Obviously, the reason is very obvious. Abraham was not trusting God that much. You guys are with me? But God appeared to him and he's the second time in Genesis 12 and gave him all these promises. And if you skip with me to verse 4 of chapter 12 of Genesis 12, it says this. So Abraham went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Wait a minute. What was the command of God? Let's go back to Genesis 12 verse 1. And the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your people, and your father's household, i.e. don't take anybody with you. Did Abraham fully obey God? He still has hard time letting go. See, he, yes, he's obeying God, but he's not really fully, fully obeying God. He takes his nephew with him. He takes Lot with him. And boy, was that a mistake. Right? Because eventually they separated and Lot, you know, his two daughters had to have children by him who ended up to be the Ammonites and the, the uh, Moabites, the Moabites and the Ammonites, which these two nations have been a thorn in the side of Israel as long as Israel existed as a nation. Because Abraham did not fully obey God when he called him in Genesis chapter 12. You guys are with me? So he, there has been consequences to that, that the children of Abraham has to bear throughout their generation. Having said all of this, 
Look how the author of Hebrews speak about Abraham in, in chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place, he obeyed and he went. Wait a minute. He didn't really fully obey, but the author of Hebrews is not looking at that. You guys are with me? The author of Hebrews is looking. Obviously, this is under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The author of Hebrews or the Holy Spirit is looking at, it wasn't full obedience, but the Holy Spirit is saying, well, I'll take what I can get. Yeah. You guys are with me? If he's willing to follow me, even partially, if not going to obey all my command, I'll just take that and I will commend him for that kind of faith that he has exhibited. You guys are with me? This is the God of Abraham. He's, he's gracious, he takes the initiatives, and he never gives up. Hallelujah. Amen? And he will commend you for the tiniest faith, act of faith, that you do. Let's just be practical. If you give a track to somebody, you're doing that because you're being obedient to God. Even if you do it every once in a blue moon, that one time that you do it in a blue moon, God looks at that and he is pleased with it. Even though we should do more, we should do a whole lot more. But the tiniest actions that we do because we show God that we trust him, this is pleasing to God. You guys are with me? Now let me just close with this last thought. Abraham had a hard time letting go of his father. Definitely, right? He will not even obey God till his father died. And he had a hard time letting go of his nephew. But the same Abraham later on in the book of Genesis, Genesis 22, God comes to him and he says what? Give me your one and only son. Not just Ishmael. If it was Ishmael, it would be easy. But he said, give me the one that I told you. I'm going to give you the promises through him. Give him to me. Now, think about that. The same Abraham who was not able to let go of his father, who was not able to get, let go of his nephew, now is taking his own son, tying him to an altar, and lifting his own knife to slaughter him before God. You guys are with me? What happened to Abraham? He grew in trusting God. Right? In the beginning, it was very difficult for him. He won't do it. But eventually, he got to the point that he learned his lesson that he can trust God, that God is a God that you can trust, that you can rely on. So much so that he was so willing not to separate from his nephew, but to separate from his own son that he has waited for for 25 years because God has promised him, give, it to, give him to me and say, okay, God, you ask for it, you have it. No problem. You guys are with me? What does that teach you and me? That faith is something that we can grow into. Trusting God is something that we can grow into. It's, it's, we're just such a miserable race, such a miserable species that it's just God has to prove himself to us over and over and over again. Even though he doesn't have to. He's God Almighty. He's the one who made us. He, sh he shouldn't try to prove himself to us. But he does. And when he does, we eventually can grow in that kind of trust, that kind of faith. You guys are with me? We talked about faith before. And we said that faith is, uh, there's five definitions of faith in the scripture. You remember that first time we talked from Hebrews 11? And we said that faith is the only thing that is a gift of the Holy Spirit and a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You remember that? Mm -hmm. And we said that it's not the same. That faith as a gift is not faith as a fruit. And faith as a fruit takes time for you to develop that. Just as a regular fruit, you plant the seed, you water the seed, you, you, you make sure this plant is growing, and then eventually you reap that fruit from all the labor and the patience that you have invested to see this fruit coming. You guys are with me? And this is the fruit of faith right here, being displayed in the life of Abraham. The guy who would not let go of his nephew was eventually able to let go of his one and only son. Amen? Amen. Oh. 
I am not trying to vindicate not trusting God this morning. But I'm just trying to say that if you are weak, if you fail, we have a God who's patient, who's gracious, who's so good to us that he will be so patient with us to teach us to listen, even if we walk very slowly with him. Now, having said that, the faster we learn, the faster we're going to get to where God want to get us. So I'm not just saying, hey, take your time. God is patient with you. I'm just saying we should trust God. But if you fail, there is a God in heaven who would still be patient with you and work with you and will develop you, will grow you to get to that point that you truly 100% fully trust him with your own life and even the life of your own son. You guys are with me? Amen? Let's close our eyes and pray. Let me just... Uh, one random thought and then we're done. Um, uh, when I was at school uh, at Regent one time, I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, he brought this note to me that was very phenomenal. He's like, you know how the scripture uh, describe us as believers, describe us as sheep, right? And he was saying that, he, I didn't know, but apparently sheep is some of the dumbest creatures <laughs> you can ever encounter. They just don't learn their lesson, right? And apparently this is why God in a for a reason describe us as sheep because we just keep on failing. He shows us the right way and we keep on failing. But the good news today is that we have a good shepherd, amen, who didn't just lay down his life for us on the cross, but is being patient with us every single day. That is the God of Abraham, amen, who purged himself into Abraham's life when he was an idol worshiper, who called him, appeared to him as the God of glory. And when Abraham didn't obey, he was patient with him till his fathers died. And he appeared to him again after that. And even when he took Lot with him, God redeemed that. And God worked with that. And God kept on showing Abraham goodness and faithfulness to the point that Abraham was able to fully trust God. Amen? Amen. Let's close our eyes and pray. And then Emmanuel will do the offering after that.